0: the relationship between the USA and Russia is complicated. shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States. <laughs> we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Their rivalry defines the second half of the 20th century. Mr Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Millions are spent each year trying to improve relations, and even more spent undermining them again. To many, they are opposites. Chalk and cheese, vodka and apple pie, Oceania versus Eurasia, East versus West. It's easy to forget that only 51 miles separates them. If we're going to spend so much time, energy and money trying to build bridges between Russia and America, then why not just build an actual bridge? In 1986, Ronald Reagan gave engineer Tung Yin Lin a National Medal of Science. Lin handed back to him a 16-page plan for an intercontinental peace bridge. Whether for environmental, financial or political reasons, a bridge across the Bering Strait has been on someone's agenda ever since. Most of this talk has come to nothing, but in 2015, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping started to make some actual plans. The Bering Strait is a 51-mile sea passage separating Siberia and Alaska. In 1867 the US bought Alaska for $7.2 million, or two cents an acre. This created a new border right down the middle, separating two small islands, Big Diomede Russian and Little Diomede, now American. The same boundary is followed today by the International Dateline, giving the Diomedes the adorable nicknames of Tomorrow Island and Yesterday Isle. Ever since the Cold War, Big Diomede and most of Russia's eastern shore has been a military zone. No travel is permitted. In fact, you can't arrive or depart there, even with a Russian visa. The closest you can get is the port of Plovodinia, and even then you should probably get permission before rocking up. This hasn't stopped people trying, though. In 2006, Carl Bushby and Dmitry Kiefer navigated the strait's ice flows on foot. However, Lynn Cox swam between the Diomedes in 1987. The public support was so immense that Reagan and Gorbachev thanked her at the signing of the Nuclear Forces Treaty. It took a daring American girl by the name of Lynn Cox a mere two hours to swim the distance separating our two countries. By her courage, she showed how close to each other our two peoples live. We're not going to let them violate a nuclear agreement and go out and do weapons, so we're going to terminate the agreement we're going to pull out. We could really do with another Lynn Cox right now. Something to bring the US and Russia together. The whole world a little closer. Even if it has to be marketed to us as a trade deal, or a Trans-Pacific Infrastructure Investment, a bridge would be a common project, a physical link forcing superpowers to cooperate. But ignoring all political and financial hurdles for now, is it even possible? Currently, the world's longest sea bridge is 34 miles across, connecting Hong Kong to Zhuhai and Macau in China. And although the Bering Strait is 51 miles, the longest bridge you'd actually have to build would only be 26. The Diomedes make two perfect stopping points. You could build a US bridge on one side and a Russian bridge on the other. In fact, make it a race! The loser has to build the three-mile bridge connecting the two. Construction would be slow. For seven months of the year, the temperature is well below freezing. And although the Strait rarely freezes, large chunks of ice are funneled through the passage from the Arctic. These ice flows would exert enormous pressure on any structure we built. There may be engineering solutions around this, but perhaps the simplest would be to scrap the bridge and dig a tunnel. Tunnels may not lend themselves to metaphors as well, but they're warmer, often cheaper over long distances. You can lay gas, oil and electricity alongside, they're protected from harsh weather, and ships can still pass above them. With the Arctic ice caps melting, the Bering Strait could become a very busy shipping lane in the next 20 years. The Strait is relatively shallow, the maximum depth is only 55 metres. The Channel Tunnel is 100 metres below sea level. That opened in 1994 connecting the UK to Europe, and that relationship is going swimmingly. A tunnel, unlike a bridge, doesn't have to intersect the Diomedes, it can start and end at more convenient points. But therein lies the problem, there are no convenient points. Here's a map of the Alaskan and Siberian road networks. The closest highways are 2,000 miles apart. In Russia, anything east of Magadan is impossible to get to by car, and although there are plans for major Alaskan routes, anything west of Fairbanks is tricky. Tunnelling under the Bering Strait would be the easy part. You'd also have to build thousands of miles of roads over rough terrain in incredibly harsh conditions, and after all that you've still got to persuade people to drive it. The only sensible option would be a train. You'll still face all the same obstacles during construction, but a warm, high-speed railroad from Anchorage to Vladivostok is way more convenient than a 60-hour drive through the Arctic. The main use of such a railroad would be freight. If we extend the network through North America and into China, it could transport a significant amount of the world's cargo. But now we've got one of the biggest engineering projects in the world costing hundreds of billions of dollars. Is there a need for it? An Arctic Railroad would have to compete with our existing freight network, boats and planes. The busiest shipping route in the world by cargo is China to North America. So let's say we want to ship one metric tonne between the two busiest ports, Shanghai to Vancouver. We've got four options. Ship, air, rail and road. A boat can do it in 15 to 20 days, cost us $300 and produce 225 kilograms of CO2. Plane, one day, $3,500, 4,400 kilograms. A train, two to four days, $400, 630 kilograms. And a truck, seven to ten days, $900, 1,050 kilograms. If speed is the priority and money no object, a plane is the way to go. But if speed doesn't matter and you want the best value for money, then shipping is the clear winner. Ships and planes account for 90% of global trade. That is a lot of fuel being burned, all day, every day. Diesel trains are not environmentally friendly, but both Alaska and Siberia have stores of untapped geothermal energy. We need to replace as many major transport routes as possible with renewable alternatives, and high-speed electric trains are one of them there'd definitely be a market for an arctic railroad. It would dramatically improve travel time without an enormous increase in price. Whether it would be profitable for whoever built it though is another matter. It would have to be a financier with very deep pockets and probably an ulterior motive. That pretty much leaves three options, Russia, America or China. China are building railways and shipping ports everywhere. They're already building high-speed railways connecting Europe, Africa and Asia, all with China as the central hub. They don't just want to be at the crossroads, they want to be the crossroads, for all future international trade and transport. That means North and South America are definitely on the agenda. In fact, they proposed a high-speed railway connecting China to the US in 2007. Putin has given China approval to build through Siberia, and then in 2015, China and Russia announced they were collaborating to build the Siberia and Alaska passage together. This is mostly just talk, but it's getting louder and more frequent. There's a reasonable chance of it happening, with or without US involvement. It would be a real shame if multiple countries didn't cooperate on this project, not to mention the dangerous power dynamic it could create. An arctic railroad connecting China, Russia and the US would be an amazing achievement. An opportunity for three superpowers currently jostling for their place in the century to collaborate on a common project. One that could genuinely improve the world, environmentally, financially and politically.